Hello, this is H1. H1 is in the building, my boy, and we're about to be running it back with another episode. Talking about chess, chess knowledge, chess wisdom, chess understanding, understanding the emotions and psychology of chess and being in chess tournaments. That's all that I talk about. Nothing special. But in this episode, we are going to be talking about something special that will increase your chess knowledge and your chess gameplay. The most important thing in chess. Some beginners, they might be like, wow, that was super instructional, H1. And then some advanced players might be like, man, I already knew that. That's easy. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to stay tuned because I'm going to go more in depth about this most important thing in chess. I'm not just going to leave it at something that's simple. It's always going to be a catch. I'm always trying to intrigue your mind, broaden your mind, make you an open person. And in chess, you have to be. You have to be open to learn from anybody to improve your chess. So please, please stay here. Stay with me. And if you're not following this podcast yet, if you're not I'm pushing that follow button to know when I'm doing an episode, please do so. Please not only do that, but if you want to keep track of me, if you want to keep track of me when I'm not doing an episode, if you don't feel like waiting a whole week, then just go on my Instagram, which is H1Chess, or my Facebook. I'm always posting there. I'm always posting some instructional game that I've played recently, because I do play chess, I think, Ever since I started this, I I have been playing chess regularly. So I play Blitz, Bullet, you know, all kinds of things. And in each one of my games, I do this most important thing. So please be here and please listen. And thank you for listening, especially for all the people that's been on my first season. Thank you. Thank you very much. I Appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Is H1 ready? Is the topic ready for this fire, for this heat? Let's get to it into the next segment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The most important part of a chess game. What do you think it is? What is H1 going to say right now? What is the most important thing? It may be a lot of things. It may be knowing how to move the pieces. It may be learning checkmates or other stuff like that, which those things are important. Those things are really important for you to know. But if you're being serious about chess and you're trying to cop a couple wins, 
then let me tell you, I'm going to have to tell you right now, right now, and the next minute I'm going to tell you. Because many might say some other things that are more important. But let me just tell you right now that all those things that these people will tell you that are more important, quote by H1, all those are lies if it's not this. And you might be thinking about it right now. But if it's not this, no, it's not right. H1 is declaring it, so it has to be true. And this is the most important thing that will need to stick with you for the rest of your chess career. You can't just skip out on this. This has to stick with you. This has to be written on your heart. You, This is how close it should be with you. Let's say you read this on a chess book. Peel those words off that chess book and put it on your heart because every time you play a game, you have to, you have to do this. And it is activity. Activity in a chess game is crucial. If you don't have activity in a chess game, it it just looks super embarrassing. I've seen games like this where the person just move a couple pieces and they don't develop any other piece and they just get trashed on. And then they're wondering, why did I lose? Why did I lose H1? And then I'll be like, well, the reason why you lost is because you're not playing with all your pieces. What's the point of playing chess if you're not going to play with all your pieces that you have right there? And yes, I'm being serious. Activity is the most important thing. This is how you control your opponent with your activity, with getting your pieces out, your minor and major pieces, getting them active, making them exercise, get, get them out. They want to stretch out. They are so powerful that they need to stretch out. They don't need to be on the back rank the whole time. That's not how you treat your pieces. And plus, when when I say minor and major pieces, I'm not meaning the pawns. The pawns, some of the pawns need to stay back to shield the, the castle king. I'm not meaning all the pawns. You don't need to push up all your pawns. And by major and minor pieces, I'm meaning the knights, the bishops, the rooks. The queen too, but don't don't let the queen go alone. You don't you can't just do that. The queen is the most powerful piece on the chessboard, but the queen cannot just go alone. That's not that's not how you play chess. You can't just send your woman out there just to do whatever she wants, especially with no partner. That's 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 not how it works. Once you start realizing that chess is a teamwork type of game, that's when the game becomes easier. The game becomes way easier once you realize, oh, snap, these pieces can coordinate with each other and become stronger with each other if they just play with each other. For example, let's say there's a scenario where you were supposed to invite all your best friends to a party, the party of the year, the party of the year, right? All your best friends, your best friends. Notice that I'm... I'm going to amplify that. It's your best friends. And let's say you left one of your friends out. Do you not think that that friend is going to be mad that you didn't invite him or her to your party? And not just any party, the party of the year. Yes, they'll be mad. That's the exact same concept of the chessboard. 
let's say you develop like half your pieces but then you you forgot to develop your rook and knight on, on um on a1 and b1 yeah you're you're definitely going to lose if you're facing a player that understands the concept of activity because activity is I was I was gonna like try to find something around with that, but it just did not come out smoothly. But anyway, everybody has to be out. Everybody has to be ready for the battle because chess is a battle. It is a war, and your job is to conquer. And if you're not conquering with all your arsenal, and your opponent is using all their arsenal. Guess who's going to lose? Guess who's going to be at a disadvantage at that point? It's not going to be your opponent. It's not going to be your opponent. Guess who? It's going to be you. So that's why you need to you need to use everybody. You cannot half do it. You have to go full force. Because if you don't go full force in every single game, and I have to clarify this because some of my students that I say um, say this too that activity is important they play me and then they do the do the thing that I want them to do but then when I um, let them go off and let them flap their wings alone and then they do not do what I teach them in those games and then I tell them hey you're supposed to develop your pieces and have activity in every single game then they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, wow, you did not know that. <laughs> it's, it's pretty humorous that I'm thinking about it right now. But yeah, it's, yeah, you're supposed to have activity in every single game because that, that's because we, we play chess to win, right? That, that's the whole point of playing chess. You will lose to better opponents with, um, without activity. And that's how grandmasters beat like less stronger opponents all the time because they have they they know their pieces like the back of their head and they can just they can just use their pieces so strategically and so tactically and you're just not understanding it. But the grandmasters, it's like second nature to them to play like this, to use activity. They know the openings. They know the structures. They know where to place their pieces. They they know the difference of putting their pieces on inactive squares and active squares. So, basically, to the point of this, if you don't treat your friends the way that they want to be treated, they're going to disrespect you. And by disrespecting you, since pieces are not real, they're going to lose the game for you since you don't want to use them. And you got to remember, too, there's a lot of things to remember. You're the king of the board. You're the king of the board. You are the commander and you take charge of everything. And if you're not going full force in that game and you lose, let's pretend like it's a real army. And you didn't do the best that you can. You know, you'll be feeling regret the whole time. Like, dang, I lost so many pieces, but I didn't do the best that I can, even though I could have did this, I could have did that, and, and now I'm in doubt, and now I can't live the rest of my life because I could have did better, and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's what would happen in real life. But since it's a game, H1 is here to teach you the right way. H1 is here to be the prosperous person, to, to, 
to guide you on the path to 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 good chess to good chess so if you don't pay attention to anything else pay attention to this activate your pieces please in the next game that you play in the next chess match if you're just trying to beat your brother or the next tournament player or you're trying to go to the next tournament and beat the toughest player you have to activate your pieces to the fullest you got to put your knights near the center you have to put your bishops on those long diagonals you got to put your rooks on those open files you got to castle your king keep your king safe and get your rooks in the game that's the whole part of chess. Chess is mostly about teamwork. If you don't have teamwork, you don't have anything. And I know this is like the most cliche thing I can say right now. This is going to be the most cliche thing I can say right now. But there's no I in team. <laughs> I just have to say, yes, yes, H1 had to say this. There is no I in team. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, let's get on to this next segment of how I, I how a boy in the hood had to learn how to use his pieces the correct way. This is the waiting room segment, Chess Jokes by H1. And the joke for today is, where does a chess player trade in his pieces? At the pawn shop. Yes, at the pawn shop. Yep, I said it. Yeah, it might be boosy, but you still chuckled a little bit. I know you'd... Okay, okay. This is the end of the chess... This is the end of the segment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. H1 is back. And since I'm back, I'm going to be explaining my experience with this concept of activity. And it and it's not something that I haven't came across because I have multiple times when I was started not playing chess, but as a kid, it was hard for me to understand how important activity really is in a chess game because when I was a kid, before I learned this concept thoroughly, before I learned this concept, I just played openings. I just played openings and I just played this double fee and kettle and I just thought that I was good. I didn't know that I should be putting pieces on 
the optimal squares, their best squares that they should be on. But I just knew how to play moves and that I should be getting out the minor pieces. I don't, all I knew is that I should be getting out the minor pieces off the first ring. That's all I knew and castle my king and put my rooks in the center. I didn't know the benefits of putting your pieces specifically on squares that they were active. But anyway, so this concept of me um, learning about activity at a really young age. So me and my brother, my brother and I, to be more accurate, my brother and I played chess at this library every week. It was on a Sunday and it was for about three to four hours. And the times were usually noonish to evening at that time. And we used to go to this library um, near near the plaza. And this library was gigantic. To me, as a young kid, it's, it's not now, but, but this library back then, it was huge. It had windows, there's lights around it. it. It was awesome. It was awesome. And this gigantic library... It had a couple conference rooms in the back, which was a perfect setting for chess casual play. So we took the tables out and they set up um, other tables and then we put chess boards on them. And it was a pretty big room. We had about several games in there and a lot of people. And I remember specifically that there were huge windows, tall windows, and I could see the outside the outside like the buildings we was on a high little hill and i could see all the cars the traffic it was a pretty cool setting and so i was playing a couple games i used to go there play a couple games play different people see how i can fare against um, other adults i never really played kids it was always adults and i recorded the games and made sure that i recorded it so that i can go back home and play over the game and then see what i did wrong if I had any weaknesses, but as H1, I believe that I never had weaknesses, especially as a, a cocky kid, because I am H1. I, I want you to know that this is the H1 show. <laughs> um, so this one time that we went to this library, this one day out of the weeks, I was playing, I was playing a couple games. But then, um, but then there was this random player that came in and it it was a, a random tournament player and he came in with his father. And so let me just tell you the difference. I was still in middle school at that moment and this was a high schooler and they was about 16 at the time. I don't know why they were 16 i specifically remember the age though back then that they was specifically 16 and that they was going to a high class tournament um right after this library thing and it was traveling somewhere but anyway this kid came in and i challenged him to a game that was probably the worst mistake i've ever did in my whole entire life because that kid was amazing it was insane. The first game I played the black pieces, he played the white pieces, and I felt like the whole game he was taking control of it. And by taking control of it, I mean I lost in under 25 moves. 
under 25 moves. H1 lost in under 25 moves. And it was so simple. I wouldn't have been mad if it was a longer game and it was like a tactic that I didn't see. But he made it look so easy, the attack that he did. And I didn't understand what was going on. And now I do. But I didn't understand at that time how it was so easy for him to attack my double fianchetto. My double fianchetto. He just tore it up to shreds. Do you know what psychological pain that does to a sixth grader? Do you know? Well, let me explain it to you. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of pain. So... And my brother was like right over there playing the, playing another game, but I got so used to losing, I just shrug it off like whatever, you know. I'm just a I'm just a kid, just just trying to be good and just trying to play some casual games, just having fun. But this kid was not having fun. He was demolishing me, at, and he was not talking. He took the game super serious. That's that's what kind of made me more frustrated. It's like this is a casual setting. What are you doing? I'm trying to casually have fun. And maybe casually learn from this, not be frustrated at the game. You're not gonna say one word. Your dad said more words to me than you did. And we're not even we're not that far. You're you're just in high school and I just started middle school. We're not that far in age. You can you can talk. Stop being awkward. Dude. Bruh. Homeboy. Yeah, we played that game. I lost miserably and miserably, <laughs> miserably because he attacked my king and got checkmate on the board in under 25 moves. That made it more embarrassing. And so I said, okay, this had to be a fluke. There is no way you can strategically and tactically get this attack off with the king that quickly in this opening i have perfected this opening this is the opening that i've used that i've used as h1 to win multiple tournaments at this age and you're just going to disrespect me in this casual play no no that's not how we're going to do it today that's not what that's not what's going to happen and just and just let me just tell you i said all those words in my head none of these words ever come out so i the words that came out was can I play you again? And he was like, sure. And then I was like, you know what? Let me be the white pieces this time. In my head, I was thinking, he could not do the same thing. Not with the black pieces. No, that's that's impossible. Because he's a black piece. The white pieces always goes first. The white pieces always get the advantage. I, I can't lose in the same way. We played a, We played a game again. The first 25 moves, I lost the exact same way. And I'm like, what's going on? Is there some attacking signals that I don't know? Is there something that I should be learning? I've played tougher opponents, but not this tough. And then I realized something. While I was on my simple 1100, I don't know what rating I was. I don't know what rating I was back then, but I know that it was around a thousand. His rating was around 18 to 1900. Big difference. So clearly I could not comprehend any of the moves that he was displaying on the board, which was 
miraculous and beautiful. But I didn't have the courage to ask questions or to learn from these games. I just, I wrote the games down. I played the games. We didn't play any more games other than that too because he got bored and wanted to play somebody else. But the dad was like, you're a really good player at your age. And that's like the last thing that I want to hear from a father figure over there. Like, I don't want to hear that I was a good player after I lost two games horribly. That's the last thing I want to hear. You know what I do want to hear? Silence. So basically nothing. I don't want to hear nothing. I just want to go on with my day and just play another casual game. And hopefully I can get some wins out of this. I don't ever know if I won any games after that. I don't remember. I probably did. Let me stop lying. I I most likely did. Usually in those little casual settings, um, every week I would win a couple games and then I would play stronger opponents and lose. It was always a balance. I always wanted to learn something from each game. But that game, it just ugh, it just sickened me. Even when I drove home back with my brother. And I, I didn't say anything about the games when I drove back home. Even though those games were horrible. He attacked my king and he was aggressive the whole game. I didn't have time to think. It was definitely not a positional setting. So I was frustrated in my head, but I didn't want my big bro to figure that out. And the big bro that I was talking about is P-Money. P-Money is the one that drove me to those um, library um, chess games each and every week. And so we drove home. I got home. And I wanted to improve. I wanted to improve. And it was a big realization that there were things that I did not know in a chess world still. There were secrets that were not dug up yet in my head. There was patterns that I didn't realize, like attacking patterns, just realizing that um, usually sacrifices happen on the H7 square or you can push up the H pawn to attack your your opponent's king if they're castled king side or just simple stuff like that I didn't know at that time so I studied I got home and I studied the coordination of pieces and I studied other positional things too I think that was the first time I found out that two bishops is better than two knights And you know what's the most important thing that I noticed in those two games that I was playing them? That they did not do anything to defend my king. They did not do one thing to defend my king. Not at all. So that told me as a sixth grader, I didn't have the right activity in my pieces. My pieces weren't at the right position that I wanted them to be in. They didn't save me at all. They hindered they hindered my game. So yes, I did practice that. And as I practiced and as I was growing into the knowledge of just more secrets in chess, I was honestly excited that there were better players around. And I was hoping that that kid would come back and then I can play him again and just get better. But that kid never came back. He never came back. And I do not know if that person is a grandmaster or not, or is his father still with him? I do not know to this day. But you know what thing that I do know is that I've learned from that experience. It just 
realizing the purpose of activity and just understanding more things and learning more things like even the pawn structures and just recognizing how the pawn structures contribute to a good attack on a king it can based on a pawn chain that would point directly to the king that contributes to a that contributes to a attack on a king and then one thing that i've learned when to attack is that um for example usually you're supposed to have more attackers than your opponent has defenders so you know what that means you're supposed to have more activity than your opponent before you attack I just told you a big secret. You're supposed to have more attackers than your opponent's defenders. That's one of the keys to attacking. That's one of them. There's a lot more, but that's a simple one that you can implement in your game the next day or after you, uh, of course, after you listen to the rest of this episode. But, and then you can learn this too. There's more signals in attacking and there's different ways on how to defend. Which that just blew my mind out of the water. And then I was like, wow, I've been playing chess all wrong. I just thought that the game of chess was just about placing your pieces on good squares and doing these casual opening moves and bring your rooks out and just trying to take all your opponent's pieces with forks and pins. And then the main goal is to checkmate the king. I thought I thought that was the whole purpose or just waiting on your opponent to blunder or just something something stupid and something a kid would think of. But at that time, I, and not to be disrespectful to kids because I know some kid grandmasters or close to grandmaster at 10 years old. There was this nine year, years old. Uh, I was at a, a tournament. I think it was, it was when I was 16. I was at a big tournament and there is this nine-year-old in the open section nine years old his rating was 1900 and my rating at that time because i didn't play in a lot of um, uscf tournaments was about 1550 so yeah yeah there are some kids that were like that but i'm just talking about kids like myself that didn't comprehend chess like i should have and that was trying to comprehend chess without basically of knowledge of what a chess coach would give you and that's why i say this is this is based on my experiences and the knowledge that i got by myself from youtube videos and books i did all the work but yeah that's that's all i have for that segment and this next part we're going to talk about the mindsets of a beginner and advanced players when we think of activity okay so please please let's finish this let's let's end this off on a good note and thank you for being here and if you haven't if you haven't give this a share or a like we're in the middle of this so if you're in the middle of this i already know that you're with me that you're my homie so give this a share or a like please please i would like to talk uh, talk with more people about chess wisdom, chess understanding, chess knowledge.
Hey, this is the waiting room segment. Quotes by H1. And the quote of today is, If you're going to sacrifice a piece, make sure that it's worth it. Thank you for listening. Alright, this is H1, and it's time to get down to business with H1. It's time to get down to business. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm excited for this. Are you? Are you excited for this? Because I'm going to be talking about the mindset of beginners and the mindset of advanced players. But let's let's talk about some beginners right quick. First of all, I've realized that some beginners start off the game moving too many pawns. I've done this before. I even did the little zigzag thing where it's like A4, B3, C4, D3, E4, and then continue on to the H pawn. Yeah, I did that before. It's ridiculous. Don't do that. You do not have to move every single pawn. You do have to move some pawns to get your pieces out, but you got to stop yourself from moving every single pawn or just a pawn when you should be developing a piece. And I understand this because... When you started out playing chess, you just know how to move the pawn. Okay? I started out playing chess just knowing how to move move the pawn, so I'm confident in my pawn moves than I am in the rest of my move, the rest of my pieces. So I I've always had a tick at just moving a pawn if I get nervous or uncomfortable. You need to break that. You need to break that. And I know this is true because when I was a teacher, when I was teaching chess in classes with students, I've seen kids with my own two eyes. I And then it would be before a game. I would tell them, hey, hey, little Tommy, move your knight. Move your kingside bishop and castle your king. You need to castle your king as soon as possible and you need to develop your pieces, your minor pieces, and you need to put your rooks on open files. You need to do all these things in every single game. I will tell them this clear as day. You know what little Tommy will do? They will go sit down, go play another student. They'll move the the first pawn, the e4 pawn, and then I'm like, okay, good. That's all. That's all you need to do. And then move that d pawn to get the dark square bishop out. They will they will do knight f3, bishop c4, and then instead of castling, they will do something different. They will do some silly move like a3, a4, h3, and then I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Or at least do d3 to protect the e4 pawn do something with a purpose what are you doing what is the and then i would be fine with with h3 i would be fine with it but then the second problem i would have is sometimes i would ask my students hey why did you move that pawn they would look me dead in my face and then they would shrug like wow you just shrugged your shoulders. So that tells me that you don't have a purpose in doing your moves at all. There's no purpose. You're just playing this kid and just expecting to 
get a win out of nowhere. There's no purpose. There's no strategy. You're just moving. If you don't have a purpose on every single move, you're just moving pieces. You're just doing stuff. It's, that doesn't even make the, the game chess a smart game when you're just doing that. Okay? So, one little tip. Each move always have to have a purpose. That's one of the things I need to always own it. It has to have a purpose. Okay? It has to. Each move needs to do something. It needs to at least improve your position or make chances for you to win the game. That that should happen. Now, one other thing that used to happen is I would show my students how to do the scholar's mate. And this is after the lesson of me talking about development, right? They would do the scholar's mate and then their opponent would block the scholar's mate, the four-move checkmate. And then after that, they wouldn't know what to do. Like, they was dumbfounded. It, Like, whoa, I didn't expect them to block the mate. I just expected to win the game in the four moves. What am I supposed to do? What steps am I supposed to take? Where am I? Who am I? What am I? What am I saying? <laughs> what? No! Little Tommy, I just told you to develop your pieces. There's nothing wrong with doing Scholar's Mate. It's not the best opening, but I've seen Magnus Carlsen play online chess games against Grandmasters, and he did the Scholar's Mate and developed his pieces at the same time. Like, he he did the Scholar's Mate, failed at that, of course, because the Grandmaster is not going to fall by Scholar's Mate, and then you just develop your pieces normally. It's a, it's the development, it's the lack of development that makes the opening bad. And plus, your queen is a target. That's why it's not the best opening. But you can at least develop your pieces afterwards. It's not that hard, or is it? <laughs> no, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. So, the main goal of activity is just to get your knights and bishops out. Get your knights and bishops out. Um, if you can, near the center to to control the center. Set your rooks on open files. Set your rooks on open files. Okay? Not closed files. I know you want to put your rooks on E1 and D1. But if those files are not open, then those are not the best spots to put your rooks. Even on half open files, put your rooks on it. Because you never know when that file is going to be an open file. And if you have no files to put your rooks on, you know what you can do? Put your rooks behind the pawn that you think will break through to create an open file. So you can you can make a piece active. Okay? It's always something that you can accomplish. One other thing. Put your queen at a useful spot. Put your queen at a useful spot. Maybe forming a battery with the with the rook or bishop and forming a battery like having a queen and, and rook on the same file, like attacking a file like twice, and then with a bishop attacking a diagonal twice. Maybe get some checkmate combination or some um, or some attack against a pawn. Or 
just making sure that your queen is keeping her eyes on certain pawns that are weak. You can just do that too. That that pretty much is what the queen is used for most of the most of the time. But yeah, just just figure out where to put all your pieces, because all your piece all your pieces can have a purpose. All your pieces can be doing something. There's no reason that any of them should be out of a job. You can't just have them out of a job. That's why they're on the board. They're on the board to play chess, not to not to be off the board and have tea and go to McDonald's or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, I, I know everybody does this when they're starting out. I've did it as H1. I've done this. Everybody usually starts off playing chess with the end pawns like A4 and then H4. And then they put the rooks on H3 and then A3. And, and they 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 begin it that way. But once you improve in chess, you, you got to do a lot more with your rooks. You can't just do that. You got to control the center and develop your pieces. You can't just... You can't just put your rooks on the ends like that. And you gotta you gotta castle your king. If you move your rook, you can't castle you can't castle anymore. So that's a few things that I can think of from the top of my head about the mindset of beginners. Since everybody that have played chess was a beginner before, I'm pretty sure you can think of more things that you used to you used to do that is kind of a, a beginner thing to do. But to the good part, the mindset of advanced players. Now, advanced players usually control the center of the board with activity. So there's a chess principle that says if you control the center of the of the board, then you then you control the game. Let me repeat that. If you control the center of the board, then you control the game. So um, players, club players, experts, chess masters, grandmasters. They love controlling the center of the board because that can be a possible win of the game. That's how serious activity can be. They understand that you need all your fighters to play the game. Because if you don't have all your fighters and your opponent brings out all their fighters, then you will definitely you will definitely lose against a stronger opponent. Grandmasters definitely understand that the quality of pieces can be over materials sometimes so even down an exchange or even a whole piece if the quality of your pieces are better than your opponents then that's all that matters because in some situations that can happen and this um mindset of advanced players they like doing legit sacrifices not just some um, sacrifice that doesn't end up with no advantage i mean big sacrifices that end up with you having a big advantage a big initiative on your opponent and maybe a big attack on your opponent and that attack could mean greater activity for your pieces and attacking the king can 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 really increase your piece mobility grandmasters chess masters club players everybody understand this that a drawn position maybe not everybody understand this i don't know let me just say this everybody understand that a drawn position with activity 
can turn into a win. And grandmasters definitely understand this more than any other group because they know how to win against low-rated players in drawn positions. They know how to get a win with just small, sound positional moves, which are very annoying. But they know how to do it very cleverly. Man, I hate that. I hate that. But it can be learned. All these things can be learned. And especially this one. This is going to be my last one. It's going to be my last tip on the mindset of advanced players that activity is especially important in the end game. Activity can mean that you either won the game or lost the game. Based on rook and king pawn end games, activity means a lot. If your rook is not active, then you could lose the game. Even though it's a drawn position, you can still lose the game if your piece, if your only piece in the end game is not active. So activity means a lot in the end game. I can tell you that much. Okay? So please, listen. H1 does not know everything. But from my experience... I definitely know these few things. If you have any questions, please message me. And if you don't appreciate this information, I'm sorry. But if you do appreciate it, please give me a thumbs up. Give me a message on my uh, on my Instagram or Anchor account. Give me a message. Just be like, hey, I appreciate you. Good job. You're on the right track. That positivity will work out for me. Okay. I would I, I would be happy because I do love all of you. I thank you every single episode, all of you. Even my wife, I, I I go to my wife and then I look at look at um um look at all of you and then I'd be like, whoa, the appreciation really hits here. And then she'd be like, Whoa, why did you wake me up? Why are you so crazy? Why are you so crazy? And then I'll be like, well, <laughs> it must be in my genes. That's my mom. I don't, I don't know. This is the chess history segment by H1. And we're talking about Bobby Fisher. Bobby Fisher was married. He had a spouse. I'm looking it up right now. I never knew that. A day in my life. I've never knew that. But anyway, Bobby Fisher, he was world champion in 1972 to 1975. He was a chess grandmaster, an American one, and he was the 11th world chess champion. He was a chess prodigy at age 13, and he won a game, which was dubbed the Game of the History. Bobby Fischer was born on March 9, 1943 in Chicago, Illinois, and died January 17, 2008. 
Yes, H1, thanks you for listening. Thanks you. H1, thanks you personally. But I know that you're sad that it's ending, and I appreciate that heartfelt sadness too. But I'm not going to be gone for that long. It's, it's, it's right around the corner. It's next week. I'm going to be back with some more heat, some more fire, some, some more super hot fire. And it's going to be special next week because I'm going to be trying out something good, something that will train your mental conscience, your mind. So if you're ready for that, that, that would be that would be dope. That would be cool. Yes. So as H1, I do welcome you back. I welcome you to come back so that we can run it back so that we can run it back with some more chess knowledge. Peace.